Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your voice for everything ag. Welcome to Sask Ag Today with your host, Ryan Young. Good afternoon. Welcome to Sask Ag Today. It's brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today, producers in the Central Butte area can attend a town hall meeting this afternoon at the Legion Hall, hosted by the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. That is the fifth such meeting. Ottawa is cutting red tape for employers who protect temporary foreign workers, such as those involved in agriculture. And the Canola Council of Canada is hosting a 4R field day next Monday. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is SaskAg Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Ryan Young. SaskAg Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. Central Butte is the site of today's town hall meeting hosted by the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. It's the fifth meeting over the last few weeks, taking in producers' thoughts on the drought conditions and what can be done to provide immediate and long-term relief for them. CEO of the Cattlemen's Association, Grant McClellan, has been chairing these meetings and says they usually keep a light agenda. We don't have a lot of things that we're trying to bring to producers to talk about. This is really our organization's attempt to make sure that we're hearing directly from producers. So we're not here to set the agenda or the topics for the day. Obviously, we want to talk about drought, but that's fairly broad. We just want to hear from producers what uh, what kind of challenges they're facing, what kind of supports they may be that they need, uh, and what kind of opportunities we have to uh, listen to them and bring some of these suggestions forward to government for uh, to support our producers as we go through this. So. Yeah, and kind of uh, expecting uh, another engaging crowd. And I know uh, in the last four meetings, the crowds have been pretty good. Yeah, there's been healthy crowds. Obviously, the uh, conditions out there have have been challenging, and that does drive numbers. We do really appreciate people at this time of year coming out, uh, making sure that they are getting their voices heard. And the other thing is getting some real good suggestions as to program improvements that can be made, what kind of supports are, that they need to uh, to make sure that they are operating uh, successfully into the future and, and to really bring some uh, some support in much-needed areas. And I think you just mentioned it there, these kinds of meetings are uh, kind of looking long-term, looking for long-term solutions as we're Getting into the point in the year where uh, the combines are going to be out pretty soon in the next week or two, and uh, they'll be looking towards uh, next season afterward. Yeah, it's definitely twofold. We need to know what supports are needed right now to uh, to get either money or, or support in the hands of producers right now. But of course, what kind of things can we look to to the future? What kind of program adjustments or changes are required so that when we have a situation like this with the conditions as they are, 
how can we have something that's in place to be triggered early? Because we know conditions can deteriorate rapidly. And when that happens, producers need to know that there's something there that they can rely on uh, moving into the future. So definitely there's the twofold. It's very short term and then, of course, very long term for the sustainability of the industry. And I know that staff from SAS Crop Insurance uh, are have been at all of the meetings. Um, you know, to this point, uh, have they mentioned anything or hinted at anything that uh, there could be immediate action to help out producers, both grain farmers and uh, ranchers? I think, uh, first of all, I want to thank our officials that are attending on behalf of SAS Crop Insurance and the Ministry of Agriculture for attending these meetings and being so ready to answer questions from producers. They haven't been easy questions, for sure. And uh, we do appreciate that they take their time to come out and listen directly to our livestock producers and grain producers in this province. In terms of what they've been hearing and and what they're taking back, I think we've seen a very strong willingness to listen, to commit to making improvements. But in terms of immediate program responses, that's going to fall under the agri-recovery plan. And we know that the provincial government has made their submission to the federal government to request the agri-recovery assessment. And we're hoping that that process moves very quickly. Of course, that does fall into the realm of negotiations with the federal government. And we continue to apply pressure through our Canadian affiliate, Canadian Cattle Association, other organizations to make sure the federal government understands the gravity of the situation that we're experiencing here in Saskatchewan. Anything else you wanted to add, Grant? No, I think... um, Again, I'll I'll do the thing that I've been doing the last few interviews, which is, again, please uh, be aware that there are mental health supports out there for folks. It's obviously a very challenging time. We do want to encourage people to make sure that uh, that they're reaching out. And wherever possible, we know there's supports through the Farm Stress Line, uh, through the Canadian Mental Health Association and other organizations. But please do remember that those supports are out there and please do take advantage of them. The location is the Central Butte Legion Hall from 1.30 to 4.30 this afternoon. Back with SaskAg Today with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM. This segment of SaskAg Today is brought to you by Prairie 6-Inch. For Prairie 6-Inch eaves trough, size matters. So see Prairie 6-Inch eaves trough, your farm shop specialist. PrairieEavesTrough.ca The federal government says it's cutting red tape for employers who protect temporary foreign workers, such as those involved in agriculture. Federal Employment Minister and Edmonton MP Randy Boissonneau made the announcement during a news conference in Delta, B.C. yesterday. Many newcomers and foreign workers are skilled professionals who can fill labor gaps and get good quality, good paying jobs. And it's our job to make sure that the skilled people who come to Canada can also do so and the temporary foreign worker program helps. It plays a critical role in our economy, providing an important source of labor for seasonal work and in key sectors of the economy, as Carla mentioned, from agriculture, meat and fish processing, to hospitality, trucking, construction and technology. Producing and moving goods that Canadians rely on 365 days a year. Now, the program is designed to be responsive to changes in the labor market by helping Canadian employers deal with the labor shortages they face on a temporary basis when Canadian and permanent residents are not available. It ensures employers can hire talent that they need to grow and succeed, all 
while ensuring that temporary foreign workers are protected while they do their jobs. So the announcement that I'm making today is that under the banner of the temporary foreign, foreign worker program, we are launching the Recognized Employer Pilot, REP, to provide eligible Canadian employers with more streamlined access to labour while making sure they uphold the highest standards in worker protections. So launching next month in September 23 as a three-year pilot, eligible employers will get access to labour market impact assessments or LMIAs that are valid for up to three years and they will benefit from a simplified application and if they need to hire more workers from previously approved positions in the future. So currently LMIAs in the regular temporary foreign worker program are valid for only 18 months. So this investment will provide sustainable services at a crucial time. It's going to help employers better plan for their staffing needs. The other thing that will happen is employers will also benefit from a job bank designation that shows their recognized status to improve interest from prospective workers. That's Federal Employment Minister Randy Boissonneau. You're listening to SaskAg Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Ryan Young. Now today's Ag Review with Rod McDonald of GX94, brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integritire in Grenfell, your locally owned Integritire dealers. Harvesting of winter wheat and fall rye continued over the past week in Manitoba. Harvest in the Dauphin and Swan Valley area is approximately 80% complete. Early yield reports on winter wheat were averaging about 65 bushels an acre. Most spring cereal crops are in the intermediate to hard dough stage. Overall, cereal crops remain in fair to mostly good condition. Most of the canola crop in northwestern Manitoba range from early to late pod fill, with some color change noted on the early seeded crop. Overall, crop conditions range from fair to mostly good. Durham wheat is going to be at a premium. It appears highly unlikely that this year's Durham crop in Canada and the U.S. will be large enough to meet the demands of the countries that normally import Durham for their pasta needs. In the July 12th crop production report, USDA said Durham production was forecast at 54 million bushels, down 9.9 million bushels, or 16%, from 64 million bushels last year. Canadian Durham production is also expected to be down significantly. And it's not just the quantity that's an issue, there's also concern about quality. Poor quality would not only be detrimental for exports to key pasta-producing countries like Italy, but also would be detrimental to U.S. and Canadian pasta makers. According to Saskatchewan Agriculture, the condition of the Durham crop has steadily declined from a rating of 87% good to excellent back at the end of May to just 11% good to excellent in the most recent crop report, with 60% of the Durham crop rated poor to very poor. Flax straw is being transformed into a bedding material for animals. A company based in the Regina area is behind the plan. Prairie Clean Energy will purchase flax straw from producers around Regina and Gilbert Plains, Manitoba to produce flax pellets. Company officials say the flax pellets can then be used to produce a superior animal bedding product for horses, cows, and other small animals. Prairie Clean Energy will be purchasing flax straw 
from within a 75-kilometer radius around both Regina and Gilbert Plains. The company estimates it will be buying anywhere from 6,000 to 54,000 tons of black straw, the range being wide as the company works on production projections and growth plans into 2024. And farm groups and shows are critical of animal traceability rules being introduced by the Canadian Food Inspection Agency. It requires that groups and venues hosting rodeos and 4-H beef shows put the onus on volunteers to track all livestock that had been on site. Federal agriculture critic John Barlow says the rules need to be either amended or scrapped entirely. CFIA has got bigger problems and bigger fish to fry, and when their resources are stretched as thinly as they are, it just doesn't make sense to be taking on additional responsibilities, certainly when uh, there are much bigger issues for them to be focusing on. Barlow notes the Canadian Cattlemen's Association and other livestock groups feel the rules are unnecessary and will likely do more harm than good. And that's today's Ag Review. It's your agri-weather forecast on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, a few showers ending this afternoon, then mainly cloudy. Winds from the north, rather the southeast, at 20 kilometers an hour, high of 21 degrees. Tonight, partly cloudy, then becoming cloudy after midnight with a few showers, uh, about 5 to 10 millimeters possible. Winds from the southeast at 20, gusting to 40, a low of 11 degrees. Tomorrow, a few showers ending in the morning, then cloudy, and a 40% chance of additional showers, risk of a thunderstorm late in the morning and in the afternoon. Winds initially from the southeast at 20 gusting to 40, then becoming light in the morning, then changing to the northwest at 30 gusting to 50 in the afternoon. High of 24, but with the humidex 26 degrees. Tomorrow's low is 12. Friday, sunshine and windy. High of 23, the low 10. Saturday, increasing cloudiness. High of 25. Saturday night, cloudy and a 60% chance of showers, a low of 11. Sunday, sunny. High of 23, a low of 12. Monday, sunny, high of 28, the low 13, and Tuesday, partly cloudy, high of 24 degrees. Normal highs for this period are at 26, normal lows 10. The sun rose at 538 this morning, and the sun will set at 829 tonight. Taking a look around the province, in Estevan and Yorkton, 17, Swiftcurrent 20, Saskatoon 18, and Weyburn 14. The warm spot in Saskatchewan is in Maple Creek at 25, Cool spot in Bratz Lake at 13. In Regina, some light rain. East-southeast wind at 12 kilometers an hour. Humidity at 92%. Temperature 13 degrees or 55 Fahrenheit. Barometric pressure at 101.4 and falling. In Moose Jaw, cloudy sky. East wind at 21 kilometers an hour. Temperature 13 degrees. Once again in Regina, light rain. East-southeast wind at 12 and 13 degrees is the current temperature. Back in a moment. You're tuned to SaskAg Today on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. This portion of SaskAg Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience. McDougalAuction.com. 
and brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. Durham wheat buyers in North Africa are learning how expensive it will be to purchase the crop this fall and winter. Algeria canceled a 50,000 metric ton Durham tender because of high prices last week. Canadian Durham was offered at $590 per ton, while Mexico was a bit lower at $550 a ton. Algeria's last purchase of Canadian Durham on July 11th was for $418 a ton. Durham carryout stock are low, and drought in southwest Saskatchewan will impact Durham production when global Durham demand will be stronger than usual. Turning to wheat, the attention remains on the Russia-Ukraine conflict, where both sides are inflicting damage on each other's export positions, either by missile or by drone. This is Michael Wilton with Mercantile Consulting Venture. His remarks come from the Saskweet Weekly Market Outlook, released yesterday afternoon. The combination of these would allow the country to export roughly all of the approximately 40 million tons of grain exports that are expected from Ukraine this year. The inability to use the river would cut Ukraine's export capacity by almost half. Russia's continued attacks on Ukraine's grain infrastructure appears to be a deliberate attempt to prevent the country from exporting grain. Ukraine is heavily relying on the Danube River to meet its export requirement. However, Russian attacks are putting that infrastructure at risk. Ukraine's attack on the Russian naval base was close to the grain terminals, as Novorysk is Russia's main grain export terminal. Similarly, attacks on the Crimean Bridge affect exports on the Kerch Strait, which accounts for roughly one-third of Russia's grain exports. While Ukraine and Russia are both currently able to export grain, recent attacks on key export infrastructure are concerning. Russia is also relying on wheat exports to generate much-needed capital, with India potentially being a large customer in the coming year. There are rumors that the Russia and Indian government are brokering a deal to send 9 million tons of Russian wheat to India. This large volume of wheat would be very important for the wheat market, especially Russian wheat, but the trade wants confirmation of this before reacting. The trade is expecting India will import 2 to 4 million tons of wheat versus the USDA's current estimate of zero. Meantime, Indonesia is expected to import more wheat than last year, as much as 17%. Australia accounted for two-thirds of Indonesian wheat purchases last year, with Canada being the second largest supplier at 20%. Indonesia is generally Canada's second largest non-Durham wheat customer. You're listening to SaskAg Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Ryan Young. This segment of SaskAg Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com The Canola Council of Canada is hosting a 4R Field Day next Monday at the Indian Head Agricultural Research Foundation plots. 4R means the right source of fertilizer at the right rate at the right time and in the right place. Canola Council Agronomy Specialist Warren Ward has the details. 
So what we've done is put some plots together out there that just show some some different practices there, some things from the not-so-good end of the spectrum to things that uh, that do follow for our practices, and, and we'll be discussing how to how to put a four-hour plan in place and, and make that practice work for you and, and talk about the reasons why. One other thing we, we're, we're promoting with this is our Canola 4-Hour Advantage program, which is the funds that we're... Um, distributing through the on-farm climate action fund and so really it's a, another opportunity to come out and and also learn about that program and ask some questions and and see uh, see some of the uh, the management practices that are included in that program in the field ward says the 4r field day will begin at 10 a.m and should wrap up by noon we do have a registration link so if you go to the Canola Council of Canada website you can find the registration link there and we'll have the uh, the details on uh, on where to meet for that tour. Ward says a lot of farmers are already utilizing 4R practices on their farm but may not have a formal management plan. We just would like to see um, that management plan included because, you know, sitting down, having that conversation with uh, with a designated agronomist might make you think a little bit or they might be able to point out a few little tweaks to your management program that, that would help. And the thing I like about 4R is it's not a one-size-fits-all practice. It's uh, what works well within these guidelines on your farm. And if you have to cheat a little bit on one, uh, let's say, for instance, let's say you have to cheat a little bit on the placement, how can you make up for that with something like the source of product that you're using? Harvest is starting to ramp up, although canola still has a ways to go. We've uh, pretty much finished flowering here, I think. There's the odd uh, later field that has a few flowers hanging on yet, but uh, I don't think there's too many of those left. And overall, I mean, it's surprising how well it's hanging on given the, you know, generally speaking, lack of rain that we've had. There's been a few areas that, that maybe we're a little bit more fortunate, but it's hanging in there. I think harvest is fast approaching here, so... People will likely be into some other crops before they get to the canola, but, you know, I think it's going to happen fairly quickly by by the looks of things, the way the, the crop is maturing here. And we had such a great start to the year, and, and uh, maybe just with lack of rain for most areas, I think, has, has uh, impacted it somewhat, but we won't know the extent of that until... The combines are actually in the field, and you know I think we did have some some fortunate that cooler weather we had uh, through you know most of flowering. I think probably saved a little bit of yield potential, and maybe if we get a, a late rain here to help things finish filling, that might also uh, benefit the crop. On the insect front, Ward says growers should still be scouting for them. There are a few that uh, it can still cause damage. Um, I know grasshoppers are one that have been on most people's minds all summer for uh, for you know quite a few areas, and uh, that's one that can uh, you know anything that starts chewing on those pods, especially once the leaves start to drop from the plants, can cause yield loss. Earth armyworms would be another one, although uh, reports on that seem to be relatively low from from what I've been hearing. And uh, diamondback moss would also be another one that uh, they can show up this time of year. So, so there's still a few out there uh, to, to be monitoring for. And, uh, um, but hopefully, uh, hopefully the low insect pressure of this year continues. Disease in canola crops doesn't seem to have been a big issue this year, but Ward says they are still monitoring the situation. We'll be doing some disease surveying here in the you know, leading up to that swath timing so i think that's yet to be determined generally on a drier year you would expect to see uh, see less sclerotinia which tends to be the the most common disease but uh, i'm sure there will be 
we'll be looking for that. Uh, some of the other ones that we'll be looking for would be blackleg, and um, that one can uh, can show up in crops even when there has been a little less rain. So because that infection happens earlier on in the season, you know, we'll be we'll be checking for the results of that one. And a new one that's that's out there, uh, or relatively new one, verticillium stripe. We'll also be looking for that, and and that one tends to show up much later in the season. In fact, after the crop has been cut and harvested, you can go back and look at at the stubble and and see whether there was any of that present. So it's a little early yet to say what uh, what the disease situation was like this year, but you know, hopefully hopefully that's low as it looks like it will be. That's Canola Council of Canada agronomy specialist Warren Ward. We'll take a break. We'll be back right after this. Here's the market updates with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM. Grain prices at Viterra were down in early trading today with canola and number one red spring wheat seeing some movement. Canola is down $3.70 to seven thirty nine sixty two a metric ton. Number one red spring wheat is down $3.49 to three fifty oh seven. And the rest were unchanged. Durham at 505.23, feed barley 310.61, chickpeas 1036.17, flax 561.54, lentils 737.50, oats 262.32, yellow peas 365.89, and feed wheat 270.97. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, hard red spring wheat for September is down 8.5 cents a bushel, to eight dollars and twenty-two and a half cents. It's the livestock reports on the Voice of Saskatchewan, six twenty CKRM. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock at eight four two forty five seventy four. Now here are the latest livestock quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of August 8th. Our last regular sale was on August 2nd. D1 and D2 cows sold from $1.35 to $1.55. D3 cows sold from $1.10 to $1.35. Counter cows sold from $0.78 cents to $1. Hefret sold from $2.05 to $2.39. And good butcher bulls sold from $1.50 to $1.70. We didn't have enough steers and heifers in any weight break to establish an accurate price quotation. Most producers are holding on to them until our yearling pre-sort on August 14th. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets cattle and the prices too. And now the latest pork prices. This is Bill Offer with the Hams Market Commentary for Wednesday, August 9th. Hams sold 12,300 hogs Tuesday, selling a range of 247 to 262 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 8,300 head, selling a range of 248 to 261 per CKG. Hams are with sales this week are up, selling in the range of 48 to 55 cents per pound live weight. Hams cash hog price today is down and forward contract prices opened lower this morning. On Tuesday, the Canadian dollar is down 56 basis points, with a daily exchange rate at 1.3456. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 74.42 cents U.S. Today, the U.S. cash prices are lower midweek, with the negotiated Western Corn Belt down $2.65, and the first time the region traded under $100 U.S. 100 weight in the past three weeks. The national form has pulled back 21 cents U.S. 100 weight relative to the previous day. The weekly trend in all regions so far are tracking lower. Hints on clues for cash come from the value of the pork cuddle, which was also lower in the afternoon report yesterday. The net carcass value was $3.22 lower than the previous day, led by bellies, which were down on notable $17.16 a hundredweight. 
Lean hog futures don't have much to build on, and with the CME lean hog index daily values also turning lower over the past three business days, there's not much bullish news on the horizon. In the meantime, this morning's correction lower in the deferred contracts has seen almost $3 Canadian per CKG removed from the value of a forward contract compared to Tuesday. At yesterday's open, the full-range signature forward contract was valued at $192.37 Canadian per CKG. This morning, the market supported a price of $189.50 Canadian per CKG. Coming up after the break, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Ryan Young. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Mazank Fuels, your local branded Petro-Canada wholesaler for over 40 years. Fill up the tank, call Mazank, 306-721-6667. Alberta's Minister of Environment and Protected Areas says Ottawa is threatening the provinces by suggesting it will withhold federal funding from electricity projects that don't reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Yesterday in Vancouver, Federal Energy and Natural Resources Minister Jonathan Wilkinson said billions of dollars in tax credits and grants will be tied to progress towards Ottawa's target for a net-zero electricity grid by 2035. Alberta's Minister Rebecca Schultz calls that an ultimatum. Neither Saskatchewan nor Alberta say they can meet the 2035 goal, preferring to set it off until 2050. But Wilkinson says provinces will be afforded flexibility in how they achieve the earlier target. The four-year agreement that brought an end to labor uncertainty at BC's busy ports includes pay raises, retirement bonuses, and a maintenance work deal. Terms of the new contract are being shared by the Canadian Industrial Relations Board, highlighting how the two sides finally got together following a months-long dispute that included a crippling 13-day strike. A resolution to one of the sticking points was a commitment by employers to train workers to perform maintenance on new equipment instead of contracting out third parties. On the markets, the TSX is up 70 points at 20,276. The Dow is down 86 points to 35,227. Oil is up $0.59 at $83.51 per barrel, and the Canadian dollar is at $74.50 U.S. And that's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, you can tune in to the on-demand Saskag Today podcast, brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit gowancanada.com to learn more. And that's going to do it for another edition of Sask Egg Today. I'm Ryan Young. Have a nice day. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicide.